Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams. And this is the second week in our Joshua series. We are reading Joshua here at the front end of Lent. We're going to then go into the book of Mark. But right now we are sitting right in the middle of Joshua. And we have welcomed our friend, Jim Thomas. Jim is pastor at the Village Chapel here in Nashville. And he's just such a good guest to give us context to what we're going to read this week. And just a delight to have on the show. So I think you're going to love this. Let's get right to it. So, Jim... When I lived in your neck of the Nashville woods, we went to the Village Chapel. That's right. Uh, my family and I. And one of my favorite things, so much so that when we were talking about you recording this episode, Rachel finished my sentence for me. I was going to say so much so that I know what you're about to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, is that one of my favorite things is, you know, we had very small children at the time. And so getting to church is a thing. And so you get there and you get the kids in their spot and you like <laughs> sink into your seat. And then the first thing you say is... We study through books of the Bible here at the Village <laughs> Chapel. And so like today, open yeah. your... And I, every time, it just made me like either grin or nudge David or just breathe a sigh of relief yeah. because I was like, this is... Yes, like that oh. has just always been... And this was, you know, partially pre-Shiri's Truth yeah. and then yeah. partially the start of Shiri's Truth. And so... I just feel like there was a knitting there that God was doing. That's amazing. Um, well, two, I just love it so much. Well, two things about that. One is it's become a thing now. I can't, if I mess that up, <laughs> I hear about Everybody it, stands up and walks out. Oh, I get emails. <laughs> I, Somebody I get, raises their hand. Yeah, yeah. Wait, do we no longer preach through books of the Bible here <laughs> in Village Chapel? <laughs> no, I just, I might say, you know, we study through books or I might accidentally say we teach through books of the Bible or something like that. And somebody, they're lip syncing to get out there because it's the way I'm starting every Bible <laughs> study. And then the second thing is I've been told multiple times by people who are like professional orators, you know, that that's the worst thing you can ever do is be predictable on the front end of a talk and <laughs> all that sort of. And I even had one guy tell me that if you don't change the way you do this, this church isn't going to grow past 50 people. And it's just wow. so, okay, well... well. <laughs> Well, I'm start. still just going to keep preaching through the Bible. Yeah. yeah. Just start um, yeah. doing it in a different accent each time. That's and great. See if that works. Yeah. <laughs> Add inflection. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Start, or like have a prop. I don't know. I am no, so, don't change I'm, a thing. Keep doing what oh, you're thank, doing. Thank you, Rachel. I'll try. Yes. Yeah. Amanda, that's encouraging though, Amanda, because I think the word of, of God is important. And I love what you all are doing because you're doing... Essentially the same thing, you're encouraging people to dig into God's Word. And if there's a, if I can think of a day or a time where we need more of that, uh, you know, it's times when I think the world's sort of intellectually confused and morally bankrupt at this point, and we need truth. Yeah. We, we, need to know yes. what's, we need to know what's true. We do. What can we count on? And uh, what is it that God is really wanting to say to us? And so mm -hmm. where do we turn for that? You know, it's to the Scripture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's to the New Testament, it's to the Old Testament, That's it's right. to every book. That's right. It's not, you know, well, you know, if you need to know what's true, go here. It's go. And so we've talked about for the season of Lent, this is our ninth year celebrating or observing Lent as the mm -hmm. Shereed's Truth community. Wow. And often we tackle books of the Bible, and every year when we, you know— announce what book we're going to be reading for Lent, the question is always, why Job for Lent? Or why Exodus right. for Lent? Why, sure. you know, Joshua for Lent? And yeah. first the answer is because it's Scripture. Yeah. yeah. Good. Um, why not? <laughs> yeah. And then second, right. we always just, as we dig into these books, we find like, oh, and for this unique reason, you know, yes. it's really special, you know. And so for this Lent, for 2021, we're reading the book of Joshua, which we're really excited oh. to get to talk to you about, <laughs> Jim. But then we're also reading the book of Mark. So we're getting to kind of pair and That's marry great. this Old Testament book with this New Testament book and kind of come out mm -hmm. of this conquering or inheriting of the promised land, yeah. the physical promised land, into Mark which is the sort of spiritual inheriting of so the great. promised land. So that's, we're excited. That's so great. With 66 books to choose from, you guys have plenty of material there. And, it, and, <laughs> and I love the variety of genre of literature. I mean, you can, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Your gospel records, your Old Testament narratives, your wisdom literature, your apocalyptic literature. We just taught through the book of Revelation, and, and it was 
unbelievable. I call it eye-popping, heart-thumping, you know, brain-frying. Yeah. But it was so great. Yeah. We just loved it. And now we're in Genesis at Village Chapel. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's that just, a, so they're good. so fun. Yeah. Well, we had last week, so we didn't actually talk through much of the first six chapters on the podcast <laughs> last week because our guest last week was Christine Kane. And it was fantastic, but we got through about the first six verses of chapter one. (laughs) And she just had so much to say, and it was so, so good. But to kind of recap where we are in our reading, God has commissioned Joshua to Mm -hmm. lead his people because Moses has died. We see um, Joshua, you know, accept that commission. He sends the spies to Jericho. Then we have that incredible story about Rahab and how she hides and saves the spies, how she professes um, faith in the God of Israel. Yeah. And then we have, you know, the crossing the Jordan, another miraculous, you know, crossing of a Mm -hmm. body of water, and they set foot in the promised land. Yes. And that's where we are, is we are... That's where we find ourselves today. Yeah. and That's so so cool. When I taught through it, Joshua, several years back, we actually called the entire study, Leaving the Wilderness of Unbelief and Entering the Land of God's Promises, sort of a play on the promised Mm -hmm. land thing. But just exactly what you just summarized in a nutshell there, what they did physically, we're so many years later now, we're looking at it and we're going, how do I move from that wandering thing where I'm just going around in circles and, you know, still dependent on God, God's still very gracious, obviously, and there's still lessons to be learned. But at some point, you know, crossing over into the sort of land of God's promises and, uh, mm-hmm. and not just the, you know, not the sort of veneer of health, wealth, and prosperity and all that That's stuff. Right. Not talking about that. I'm talking about this full flourishing soul that he wants each of us to have, even in the midst of great suffering, great conflict, as this section that I think we're going to talk about is all about yeah. conflict. And yep. we're just as desperate for God's help in the land of his promises because we yeah. still have we still have a fallen world to deal with and our own sort of fallen selves that he's still transforming, you know. So Yeah. It's beautiful. And, and so this week we're gonna read, starting today, we're reading Joshua chapter seven through okay. eleven. And yeah. and these are tough chapters because there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of conquering and violence and, you know, and it's, I think what we need, Jim, and what I would love for you to kind of do for us is we need a framework (laughs) for approaching these chapters because I think that on the exterior, you kind of want to say, okay, how is all of this violence? Because these are real people on both sides. Like, how is this violence part of the good plan of a good God? And so there's a lot to understand there because the culture and the wickedness of these lands was real um, and probably a lot deeper than where our brain tends to go when we're reading these passages. But help us understand um, what framework do we need walking into this? Yeah, what a great question to start before you read a book like this or any of the Old Testament narratives that are particularly strange sounding to us. Right. I guess that would be the first thing I would say is we ought to expect some strangeness. Mm -hmm. We're, We're talking about multiple thousands of years here, at least 3,000 years, let's say, of a time gap. And then add to that, we have culture gaps, we have religious experience gaps, we have all these hurdles that we have to Geographical jump. gaps. Geographical yeah. gaps. And the cultural gaps are just, it's a cornucopia. I mean, it's just, there's so many things there. The way family was done, the way business was done, the way you made a living, the way, uh, I mean, there's just so many different things there. Nobody ever wore a tie back then. Did you know that? How dare they? And their matching outfits and stuff like that were just a completely whole different deal. So no cars, you know, there's so many things. No iPhones, believe it or not. I mean, that's, can you imagine life without that? So my children can't. They didn't even have walkie talkies. (laughs) Like it wasn't even like. Yes. (laughs) So my children are living in a land of no iPhone and they feel very slighted. uh Oh, yeah. (laughs) I can't believe that was just 2007. It was just that recent. But Uh, anyway, my point there was just I think when you go to an ancient text like this, 
if you want to really understand it, it begins with understanding that it's going to sound a little strange to you in many ways. So mm-hmm. expect that. That's one. I'd say really three or four things, maybe. Two, I think we should agree with Jesus about Scripture. I think that's really important. I'm going to say, you know, his view of Scripture was that he embraced it and honored it. And remember, he's called the living word in John chapter 1. So, I mean, he's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is so involved, even from the creation event, as we see in John chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and Hebrews chapter 1, he's there and present for every little bit of creation. And so, all the way through, this is his word, as much as it's the Father's and the Spirit's, it's the Trinitarian God's word. And so, with his approach to respecting the Old Testament, I've got to at least take note of that and say to myself, How is it that Jesus, looking back through space-time history himself, viewed Scripture? And I think that's an important thing. So expect it to be strange. That Uh, seems so simple, but I feel like I've never heard anybody say the sentence, like, I want to feel about the Old Testament the way Jesus felt about the Old Testament. Like, that. Like, oh, yeah, me too. I hadn't thought of it. I hadn't articulated it in that way, but that's helpful. Well, he quotes it so many times. He right, was, he knows he has it. Great respect for it. Every jot and tittle, as he says. That's and right. And not one bit of it will pass. You know what I mean? So it endures forever. And he's got great respect for the word. I think Jesus had a high view of scripture. I've got to have a high view of scripture. I must stand with Jesus yeah. on that. Thirdly, I would say we should also be prepared when we read something like this that's so far back in history and all that sort of thing. Be prepared for God to be God and you not to be God. And by that, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've thought to myself, I would have been so much nicer than God is being in this passage. (laughs) I would have done this differently. Or or I would, yeah, exactly, Rachel. I would say, hey, God, that seems a little harsh, you know, or whatever. (laughs) I, I find myself doing that all the time and forgetting all the while that, He's God. I'm not God. <laughs> yeah. So be good. prepared. Yeah. Be prepared for God to be God. Rightly divide it. That's really important too. And I think uh, there's a lot of mischief, you know, that goes on in the world of hermeneutics and how we interpret the scripture and all that sort of thing. So, so rightly divide it just means you know don't just take one little phrase out of context and then turn that into your life phrase or whatever. You really need to know. Is Jeremiah really talking about me, or is he talking about Israel in captivity? And you know what I mean? So we just need to rightly divide it when we study it. Uh, Another thing would be don't play salad bar spirituality with it. I love one of my favorite commentaries on Joshua, you guys, is uh, you probably have it already, but Dale Ralph Davis is one of my very favorites. And so I would highly recommend that to anybody. But he says... This stuff that you referred to as sort of the violence and all that stuff that is pretty Mm -hmm. horrendous, he's right. It needs to shock us a little. And that's how Dale Ralph Davis is saying, hey, let God be God. There's a lesson he wanted some people to learn then, and he wanted to leave a memorial lesson for us to learn as well. So, And then lastly, I would just say, always in reading a text like this, trust God. He knows what he's doing. His plans and purposes will be accomplished. And that's hopeful. So... Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if that helps. That's just my... Oh, it's super helpful. I really think it is. And I think that, you know, all of those things, I think, kind of combined together, or the absence of all of those considerations (laughs) combined together and can create a situation where we're reading this and going, ah, this is is terrible. Like, I don't, Mm. you know, and to look like, so for example, so just right out of the gate this week, we have the story of Achan's disobedience in Joshua 7, where God had specifically instructed them not to take anything that was, quote, set apart for destruction. Right. And Achan just grabbed a few little things (laughs) and hit them. And we see the response to that. Yeah. Um, I actually wonder if we should read a little bit of that. Yeah, let's. Well, and the way that this comes to light is that Israel doesn't have success in battle. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. You promised that we would have success in battle. Like, why did we even, and Joshua is going like, God, why did we even cross the Jordan if this is what you were leading us into? I think that in in verse 7, he says, oh, Lord God, 
why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to hand us over to the Amorites for our destruction? If yeah. only we had been content to remain on the other side of the Jordan. Which sounds a lot like some people I know who were brought out of Egypt <laughs> right. and in the wilderness and said, did you bring us out here just to die? What's yeah. going on? Let's actually read that passage. Jim, would you be willing to read for us from Joshua 7, maybe like 6 through 12? It's so sure. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Let me read that for us. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening, as did the elders of Israel. They all put dust on their heads. Oh, Lord God, Joshua said, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to hand us over to the Amorites for our destruction? If only we had been content to remain on the other side of the Jordan. What can I say, Lord, now that Israel has turned its back and run from its enemies? When the Canaanites and all who live in the land hear about this, they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. Then what will you do about your great name? Then the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. Why have you fallen face down? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant that I appointed for them. They have taken some of what was set apart. They have stolen, deceived, and put those things with their own belongings. This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They will turn their backs and run from their enemies because they have been set apart for destruction. I will no longer be with you unless you remove from among you what is set apart. Less of a verse that is put on pillows. <laughs> you just go don't embroider- see that on Instagram quite as much. That's what I should do with my new hobby of embroidery, yeah. which I'm, it's generous of myself to call it my new hobby because I'm not Man. good at it. But I should embroider things like that on pillows. That would be delightful. I'm it's seeing nobody's life. First. I'm seeing the <laughs> wooden plaque with the sort of burned in letters. Mm-hmm. Stand up. Why have you fallen face down? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Israel has sinned. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's something to consider. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what a great text and a good example. I mean, there's timeless truth there for all of us, right? A, we're really vulnerable after a victory, aren't we? That's right. (laughs) We're a little confident. Painfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just... Painfully. And and what is it that they think they were just victorious over Jericho, but who actually fought the battle of Jericho? It wasn't actually their horns and shouts. <laughs> no, it wasn't the marching. It, or not. it wasn't yeah. the marching band, was it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean I mean yeah. I love the marching band when I was in high school and stuff like that, but it wasn't the marching band that won that battle. It was God and yeah. the armies of, the captain of the armies of the Lord. So I think it's true that at least at some point in our lives, a lot of us have probably experienced something like this where we've we've just had a success of some kind. And it may have been that one little thing that pivots us into pride or arrogance or thinking that we don't need the Lord for the little battle because look at us. We just won the big battle. And remember, Mm -hmm. AI is a tiny little town compared to Jericho. Are you kidding me? It's nothing. And Hmm. so I don't know. I mean, again, I don't want to be guilty of reading into it what isn't there, but I know that the Lord had... Clearly, in the verses we just read, he clearly says that they actually broke his commands. You know, they went against Mm -hmm. his commands. So that in and of itself is justification for God to say, hold on, you know, and to want to teach them a lesson. But I think with Achan, we also learn that there's no such thing as a secret sin. Yeah, that's Um, real. I can't tell you how many people I run into that think there is such a thing as a secret sin. Some of that's because a lot of us grew up thinking it's only wrong if I get caught. Mm-hmm. Right. Or the appearances of evil is just as bad. It's like, right. mm-hmm. you know, that it's more about our our appearance or, uh, you know, what people think of us than it is about our hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really true. And, our, and then there'll be those that'll say, this is just me and my computer, you know? So what I do with my computer is not going to affect anybody else. Well, you know what? That's not really true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's always going to be some kind of fallout. You see, the reason God's commands are so important, and we ought to respect them more than we do, I think, is my friend Duffy Robbins always used the illustration of the roller coaster, and everybody loves a roller coaster ride, yeah. But the Mm -hmm. bar comes down and holds across your lap, right? It holds you in, and some people 
do the roller coaster, go over the top, and they throw their arms up and they love that. Wow! You know, they love that kind of a ride, right? <laughs> But without that bar across your lap, man, you're going to need a Band-Aid. Yeah, you're, that's, at least. You're going you're gonna to go flying out. And baseline. So the, yeah. the scripture, baseline needs a Band-Aid. Yeah. That's right. The Scripture is like the bar. It's there to hold us in, not to hold us back. Mm-hmm. And God's commands are that way as like well. That. And I think you got Aiken, this guy whose name kind of means troubler. And he thinks he can get away with it, you know? And he thinks it's a secret mm-hmm. thing. So I don't know. Is that... And that it doesn't really matter. It's one of the things in reading the devotionals that our community wrote, our writers wrote about these days. Today, I believe Rebecca Ferris wrote it, and it said one of the things I highlighted was like obedience matters, like actual obedience matters. And I'm sad to say, I think that's a hot take (laughs) right now, that to actually dare to do what the Lord says, go where the Lord leads, not to do what the Lord says not to do. Mm-hmm. Like that's actually a pretty radical way of living mm-hmm. right. right now. Yeah. And so I was thankful for that, just kind of a call it like I see it. Like this matters. Yeah. And Aiken yeah. clearly didn't think it mattered. And even, you know, going back to, you know, your example, Jim, of like the computer, you know, yeah. going like this doesn't affect anybody. But like let's say it doesn't. It still matters. Obedience, right. like That's I agree, right. it does affect other people, but yeah. what really matters is obedience. And yeah. so let's say no other person on earth is impacted by right. your disobedience. Your obedience to God still matters. It really does. And I hope we can also always drive home the fact that it's what the Lord's looking for from us is loving and loyal obedience. Not just because I said so, you know, and and a lot of, you know, I I grew up just like every kid in the world, I'm pretty sure, said, why, why, to Mm -hmm. their parents, Mm -hmm. you know, when their parents said, do this, don't do this, whatever. We said, why, 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 why? And almost probably, I bet it's universal. I bet every language has a, because I said so. And that's... It's not simply because he said so, but Rachel, you're right on it. It's good for us to obey. It's actually living our lives uh, in accordance with God's design and with God's will for God's glory, which, again, you know, I'm starting the book of Genesis right now, and the reason humanity is created is to bear the image of God, to bring Him glory. So that's my meaning and purpose in life, is to actually live my life in such a way that I honor the one who gave me my life. You know, that's important. And what y'all are doing again with the scripture and the emphasis on the word, that's where we find God's wisdom, God's ways, and God's will. So, yeah. 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 And I hope that, you know, everyone who is listening is also the Sherry Truth community is reading today. But in case they're not, I want to kind of carry that final part of Monday's narrative along because we get, Jim, what you read, you know where everybody's going like, what happened? (laughs) And God is saying, you know, that I'll Mm -hmm. no longer be with you unless you remove what is set apart. And then down at the end of verse 13, God starts to give instruction. And he says, you'll not be able to stand against your enemies unless you remove what is set apart. And then he Mm -hmm. gives instruction and just saying like, we're going to break it down, you know, clan by clan, tribe by tribe. And we're going to find, you know, who has offended me, who has disobeyed. We're going to deal with it. So the next morning, that's what takes place. And then in verse 19, Joshua says to Achan, who is kind of the last man standing in the game of musical chairs, I really love what he says. He says, my son, give glory to the Lord, Mm. the God of Israel, and make a confession to him. I urge you, tell me what you have done. Don't hide anything from me. Yeah. And, you know, the story goes, you know, he does. He, he gives does. He gives a yeah. really honest confession, lists everything. He says, you know, I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Babylon, five yeah. pounds of silver, a bar of gold weighing a pound and a quarter. I coveted them and took yeah. them. Yeah. And so he, not only he, but he and his sons and daughters and livestock are killed. Yeah. The judgment of the Lord is just and that is hard like amanda you started out this episode talking about like that what we're going to read is really tough and this is one of the reasons i'm so thankful that we are reading the whole of scripture and not just the book of joshua i see amanda you have open to the supplemental passages for this day and there's this beautiful thing because at the end of this story of achan yeah. You know, everyone is dead. And it says, therefore, the place where this happened is called the Valley of Acor still right. today, 
But Amanda has her study book open to a passage in Hosea. Yeah, Hosea is tender to me. I love <laughs> I love the book of Hosea, and this is just specifically verse fifteen. That's part of a larger, very beautiful story. But Hosea two fifteen says, "There I will give her vineyards back to her, and make the valley of Achor into a gateway of hope." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There she will respond as she did in the days of her youth, as in the day she came out of the land of Egypt. And so yeah. I really enjoyed both of the devotionals today because our mutual friend, Russ Ramsey, wrote the He Reads Truth devotional for today. And he kind of had this take of like, well, if this is what happened to Aiken, right. <laughs> because I can resonate with like what Aiken says, like, well, I mean, yeah. it was just there. And, you know, and he has a family, like mm-hmm. he's like, I just took it and I hit it. And it was a pound and a quarter of gold. And who knows, you know, the Lord knows his heart. I don't know Aiken's heart, but I can think of some ways to justify that if yeah. I'm Aiken. And so Russ essentially was just like, man, if we're all like Aiken, so like, is there any hope for us? If this is what the one true God does to this one true sinner right. <laughs> who who sinned in this specific way, that is why we can't read this isolated from the rest yeah. of Scripture, That's because right. we know that the whole narrative of Scripture, that God does answer this, that God pours His wrath out on His own Son. Yeah. And so we do see this arc from judgment to mercy and yeah. to, to right. life, you know? And so it's just so important to keep that in view. And we don't have Romans 6 in today's supplemental reading, but the wages of sin yeah. is death, yeah. uh, and then, but the gift of God is eternal, eternal life. life. And so yeah. when we're talking about, you know, this physical conquering of the promised land, it's bloody, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, the inheritance is bloody, as is the spiritual conquering That's and inheriting right. yeah. of the promised land. It is also bloody, and it also buys us the life. When we look at the wages of sin, this passage, this story about Achan reminds me of my need for, I cannot save myself. If we're That's all right. as guilty as Achan is, it points me straight to Jesus. That's right. Mm-hmm. And even you read from Hosea there, the valley of Achor, Achan and Achor are very close words, of course, even in English. But in mm-hmm. Hebrew, it's his name means troubler. Uh, Achor means trouble. So you have yeah. the valley of trouble in Hosea is turned into the valley of hope. Mm-hmm. And that's what the gospel does, isn't it? It takes my troubled soul, my troubled life, Mm -hmm. my brokenness, my distracted affections and all of that, and brings me hope. Because I, on my own, like you said, Rachel, I don't have any hope. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have anything to do with the big battle of Jericho, and I don't have anything to do with winning the small battles of AI in my life either. It's all of grace. It's all of God. And my hope is only in Him. So, yeah. That's great. And I mean, and that's just Monday, y'all. We got a whole whole week to go here. One thing I want to point out that I won't take time to read us through it, but if if you have a study book and you're listening, don't miss, there is an extra. It's in the She Reads Truth book. It's on pages 54 and 55 Mm. called The True People of God. And I loved this extra. Well, then let's do talk about it. It's It's so so fascinating because we're taking Aiken, who was officially and by birth part of the people of God, right? He had a blood inheritance. Yeah. And he is cut off and killed, Mm -hmm. right? But then we have, last week we read about Rahab, who was not part of the people of God, but she professed faith in in the God of Israel, and she is essentially welcomed in, she and her family. That's right. And so this extra, it's so interesting because it takes those two people and those two examples and kind of does like a side-by-side, and it's, you know, we're not trying to draw like a direct correlation where there may not be one, but just to see how the the true people of God are those who put their faith in Him. That is... And that God's promises are for everyone. Yeah. Take hold of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I thought that was a brilliant side by side. I read that earlier myself. I thought you guys did a great job with that. I hope the folks working through this book with you will take the time to look at that. That because yeah. you're right, Amanda, it's so true that repentance and faith, no matter who's repenting, no matter who's turning in faith. That's I mean, right. this, the offer of the gospel is not just about 
one particular group of people over here in this zip code. It's it's an offer right. that is out there. The question is, will I repent and believe? And here's Rahab. We have the Gibeonites later, but I mean, here's Rahab, right? Oh, yep. And mm-hmm. and not only is she different in nationality from the Jews, but she's a woman whose income stream is from a pretty shady sort of a business. And I mean, you, you know, you just kind of look at her and you just go, and by the way, I think she's in the bloodline of Jesus later on yeah, down sure that we read in Matthew's gospel. Is that right? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure about that. Yeah. yeah, That's right. So what a great, that's a great chart, you guys. <laughs> well, thank you. Good. This is actually one where maybe we can share that in the show notes oh, and, yeah. and let you guys take a look at yeah. it if you don't have a book. This is the kind of thing that we include in our books. So go That's to right. shereadstruth.com slash show notes if y'all want to just download and view that. Thank yeah. you for remembering to say that. I always yeah, forget Otherwise, that part. it's just like, well, where are the show notes? What, is, what, yeah. are, what are show notes? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and here we go. We keep going with conquest and conquest and conquest. So they're going to yeah. give it another go with yeah. AI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In Joshua 8. Yeah. And reading this feels like watching a movie. I mean, I could just like see it. I felt the same way. It's this one very, specifically. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I agree. It's a good play by play. Yeah. It, it felt strong. <laughs> it really is. So something about this, and it's not unique to this chapter in the book of Joshua, but there's a thing that God does. Like there's a lot of repetition in this book of just phrases used. You know, of course, we hear the do not be afraid or discouraged and the I am with you. We hear that multiple times. But there are multiple times where the Lord says to Joshua, for example, here in Joshua 8, verse 1, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all the troops with you and go attack Ai. Look, I have handed over to you the king of Ai, his people, city, and land. And then he tells them, to go and conquer them. And so what's interesting is he says, I have handed them over to you. And then later, like, I will give them to you. So you you go conquer them. But the declaration is if this has already been done. Yeah, it's I have handed them over to you. Now go ahead and do it. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it hearkens. That's a fun word. Hearken. Yeah. It hearkens back to when what we were reading with Chris in week one, in that first chapter where it's the every, every place that the sole of your foot you know, steps like that will be yours. And so it's this kind of mysterious partnership where, you know, the conquering is God's doing. The promise has been made and will be kept. Right. right. But yet, like, go. Lift up your foot and set it down and lift it up and set it down. Yeah. Yeah, What's the sermon in there, Jim? Well, theologians (laughs) have a term for this. It's called concurrence. And I'm not a brilliant theologian by any stretch of the imagination, but. God takes the initiative. He's always the initiator. We're always the responders. That's the way I always just kind of like, you know, if you're trying to ask yourself the question, how does God reveal himself in this book, Joshua, Mm -hmm. or any of the other 66 books? It's you just keep seeing over and over again that God always takes the initiative. And then, you know, here we are. And how do we respond? So if he says, don't take anything from the spoils of Jericho, and you respond by taking something from the spoils of Jericho, you've broken covenant with him. Um, You've sinned, and there are consequences, as we pointed out, for that. It's that God knows how much damage you're treasuring those things that he has told you not to take. You're treasuring those things higher than his word or higher than his view of things, that's going to really have do some damage on your soul and you as a human person in your relationship with God. So he knows that. And the one thing about God's wrath against his righteous uh, judgment against all sin and wickedness is this. It is his settled opposition to all that is wrong in the world and in the universe, okay? So including everything in Jim Thomas that's wrong. So his settled opposite, he's not capricious. He's not moody. He doesn't wake up grumpy today. You know, sometimes I wake up grumpy and the joke is other times I let her sleep and that you guys didn't get that joke. All right. I caught it. (laughs) But no, there are times when any one of us might become capricious and moody about something. And the good thing about God is he doesn't get that way. His commands are good. His commands are sure. They're true. They're right. And it is true, though, that there's a response that he's seeking. And so just as repentance and faith is the response to the gospel, it's not just, you know, the gospel isn't just the Holy Spirit go around, turn on heart lights like E.T. or something like that. There's a call for repentance. We're being chosen Mm -hmm. and called, and we're being called to repent, turn around. 
and uh, turn away from our sin, turn toward the Lord. So that's great. But that's what we see here with concurrence, I think, in this passage is he's constantly giving us the dignity of participation. And I love that. Uh, I like that phrase, dignity of mm -hmm. participation. Well, it's wonderful. It's, mm -hmm. you know, cockroaches don't have this. Gravity does not, as a principle, it doesn't have that. Gravity does what gravity was designed to do, and it isn't, it doesn't have the option to sort of go the other way. You know what I mean? But God has created us in his image, and we have a moral significance, and he delights when we delight in him, you know? And so, mm -hmm. so the question is, are we going to delight in these treasures we can steal more than we delight in him, or are we going to delight in him? And then this plan that he gives for taking AI, you know, to Joshua, I mean, he spells it all out. It's beautiful in this chapter, and it goes well. Right. It yeah. goes the way that they had intended and that God had promised it would go. So it's a great chapter, though. Oh, this is the one where it's actually this day's devotional, Tuesdays. Okay. Where Rebecca says obedience matters. It mattered on Monday, too. Absolutely. But I just <laughs> didn't want to confuse, didn't want to confuse anyone. Hey friends, Rachel here. I want to take a quick break to introduce you to one of our podcast sponsors, August Cloth. August Cloth is an online women's clothing boutique with the heart to provide stylish, feminine, and modest clothing that makes being you easy. August Cloth believes that you can accomplish your day in style while being totally comfortable and incredibly cute. Amanda and I got to pick a couple of pieces for ourselves recently, and as a matter of fact, I'm wearing the Amanda sweatshirt as I record this, not just because I love Amanda's, but because it combines three other things that I really love. Neutral colors, crew neck sweatshirts, and a really good puffed sleeve. August Cloth works to curate items that are both stylish and comfortable, which feels like a pretty great accomplishment all on its own. But here's what I really love. August Cloth truly cares about helping you find the right fit. Every item in their shop has a try-on video, and they use different size models, not just size small, so you can see how every piece fits on different body types before you add it to the cart. If you've been on the hunt for an affordable clothing boutique with a really well-curated selection that cares about style and comfort and fit, I want to encourage you to go check out August Cloth. And of course, I'm not going to send you there without a discount code. August Cloth is giving She Reads Truth podcast listeners 15% off your purchase at augustcloth.com just by using the code SRT15 at checkout. This code only lasts until March 7th, so be sure to shop before then. Also, if you want to keep up with their new arrivals, you can follow August Cloth on Instagram or Facebook at August Cloth. New arrivals drop every Thursday, and you know they're doing those try-on videos on each item as it releases. So, go check out augustgloth.com and use code SRT15 for 15% off now through March 7th. Hey friends, Amanda here. Building community and bringing life. That's what our friends at Apartment Life are doing these days. They partner with local apartment communities and move into the neighborhood to tangibly love people the way Jesus does. They're looking for coordinators to join their program right now. Do you think this might be for you? If you love people, have a heart for being with neighbors when life gets hard or exciting, and love planning a good party, this life-giving program is for you. Apartment Life will equip you and walk alongside you every step of the way, even down to providing a reduced rent apartment if you opt to live on-site in one of their communities. They also have an off-site version of the program that looks similar. It can truly be a life-changing experience for neighbors and coordinators alike. And just for you, our She Reads Truth listeners, they're giving you 10% off in their Apartment Life swag shop. Head over to apartmentlife.org slash shereadstruth to apply and to receive your discount. Be sure to ask for more information about how you can be a part of this unique ministry. That's apartmentlife.org slash she reads truth. Okay, back to the show. Okay, so it goes well. It goes well for them. It does. And it then does. there's this really beautiful, um, I even love the title of this section of scripture in the CSB is Renewed Commitment to the Law. Yeah. There at verse 30, it's one of the kind of consecration moments that is one of our extras in the study book where we uh. mark these moments of remembrance and consecration in the book of Joshua. But yeah, talk to us about what's going on there, Jim. Should well, we read that? 
Yeah, yeah. Let's read it. Why don't, yeah, so you guys. Yeah, when you Jim, guys will you read? read that section for us? I yeah. like hearing you read. It's okay, nice. I'll read. It. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're, it's like you're used to reading the Bible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to do a little bit of it out loud once in a while, so this is good. I love doing this. So, um, here's how it goes. At that time, Joshua built an altar on Mount Ebal to the Lord, the God of Israel, just as Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool had been used. Then they offered burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed fellowship offerings on it. There on the stones, Joshua copied the law of Moses, which he had written in the presence of the Israelites. All Israel, resident, alien, and citizen alike, with their elders, officers, and judges, stood on either side of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, facing the Levitical priests who carried it. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim and half in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses the Lord's servant had commanded earlier concerning blessing the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read aloud all the words of the law, the blessings as well as the curses, according to all that is written in the book of the law. Not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read before the entire assembly of Israel, including the women, the dependents, and the resident aliens who lived among them. So here's this great public reading of scripture in mm-hmm. toto. I mean, the whole thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do the whole thing. Everybody just stick around, settle yeah. in, clear your calendars. No sound system. <laughs> no, no. And here's the interest. I mean, there are a lot of interesting things, mm-hmm. but the thing that stuck out to me, and maybe this did or didn't stick out to you as well, the phrase is not the renewed commitment to the Lord. Mm. It's a renewed commitment to the law. Oh, interesting. And I think, it, I mean, obviously the section heading, that's not canon. We know that's not scripture. Right, right, that's, right. But it kind of gave me like a minute to think about that. Yeah. Because I think often we think like, I'm going to renew my commitment to the Lord. Whatever that may be, I, it's hard to know for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah. for Joshua, it was important to go, no, we need to know what we mean when we say that's we're committing so to mm-hmm. the God of Israel. We need to actually know what matters to him. We need to know what he expects of us. And so it's more than this ethereal, like, okay, I'm going to live for the Lord now. He's saying, no, we're going to read this revelation that God has given us because this is how we know how to recommit to the Lord is by so knowing good. his law, by knowing what he says. It strikes me as really beautifully intentional. And I think it encourages me that when I say I want to live today for the Lord, one of the best ways I can do that is opening His Word and committing to knowing Him so that I can live for Him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I wondered if you were going to say there in verse 35, that was amazing. I love that word. And in verse 35, you know, we say a lot here at She Reads Truth that God's word is for you and for yeah, now. Yeah. And I think that Joshua modeled this a little There's bit. There's something there. really cool right There's there. There's something really great in verse 35 where it's a Joshua. So he reads all of it, every word, before the entire assembly of Israel, including the women, the dependents, and the resident aliens who lived among them. I mean, that is an intentional inclusion. I mean, we believe all of scripture is God breathed and living and active. And, and for us. That's right. Yeah. And so I love that this is included on purpose. You're, um, you're yeah. right. It wasn't like, well, then all the men gathered and... Well, you know what this is. This is the least of these. <laughs> this is right the here. least of these, the resident aliens. You uh-huh. don't even belong here, but we yeah. want you to know. Yeah. 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 Who knows if that was Rahab's first hearing of the scriptures read. You know? I like thinking <laughs> so, that. Oh, I've never <laughs> thought of that. I mean, She's, also, She'd heard of the God of Israel yeah. and she uh, believed in him, and, but I want to know what right. I want to know. That's right. She heard how awesome and powerful and terrifying and to be feared he is. But now what did she hear? You know, she heard all of this about how how much he loves his people and he's seeking a people he can call his own, you know? Oh, I'm going to have to take a little time after this and think about that because I've never considered that. And that blows my mind. And so many people's first hearing of the law, likely. I mean, yeah. we're talking about women and children. And I mean, especially I'm thinking like the kids, there's not like there was just like a three Bibles to every household here. You know, this <laughs> right. was, they relied on, you know, the moments, the times when the law was read. And that was like, it had to be handed down in that way. And so this was a really important, significant handing down of, you cannot know or obey God unless you know what his That's word right. says. Hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, that's great. You had something, Jim. What was it? 
I just going to say, I think uh, when we do our Bible studies, I'm always asking four questions. How does God reveal himself here? How does he reveal humanity and its weaknesses or vulnerabilities? Three, where's the gospel represented? And then four, what's the faith response that's sought from God? What is he looking for us to, how does he want us to respond? And here, you guys are nailing it. This is so true because here is God through his word revealing himself and his heart and his wisdom, his will, his ways, all of that. And some, some of these people, just like us, need to be reminded over and over. And for some people, it was the first time hearing it. That's true. Maybe for somebody, it's the first time hearing this podcast. I don't know. But all of this is meant to make you hungry for more of God's Word so that you want to know the Lord better, you know? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if there's a book that intrigues you to keep reading, (laughs) I feel like this is one of them, (laughs) the Bible, but specifically Joshua, because we have a couple reading days left in this week and not a ton of time. So we're going to let guest choice here because we go to, in Joshua 9, we have the story of the Gibeonites, which is so interesting. And then that little... Those little tricksters. They are. They How are about little it? tricksters. Yeah. I mean, yeah. now we probably do need to talk about them because everyone listening is probably like, what? What they no, do? No, I mean, now they have to go read the Bible. That's good. <laughs> right. We're the tricksters. Joke's on you. <laughs> I think, We're the tricksters. And I think there's a lesson in that little experience that maybe, you know, once again, the people that like real rigid rules probably don't like the story of the Gibeonites or the story of Rahab. Yeah. They don't like the story of Rahab. Or, you know, it's sort of the stuff that sort of breaks the... I've got this all figured out thing. It breaks that. And so here is, I think, a situation where Joshua, I think, actually takes the right approach. That is, he gave his word, and his word is more important than anything else and because it reflects on God. Yes, and so I, I think that's... Oh, that's good. Yeah. I think that's important. And later on, you guys remind me of where it is. I can't remember. But later on, I believe in one of the other historical books, we read about the Gibeonites actually becoming the wood carvers and the water carriers. And they're, we've got to find that. I don't know. We need to find it and we'll put it in the show notes because I actually don't know off the top of my head, but you're right. This well, trade continues for them that's right. beyond the book of Joshua. And I love that part where, you know, Joshua is kind of at this decision time, this crossroads in Joshua 9, and it's verse 25. So they've been found out, right? Yep. Um, and they say to Joshua, now we're in your hand. So they explain why they did what they did. And they yeah. said, now we're in your hands. Do to us whatever you think is right. And then verse 26 says, this is what Joshua did to them. He rescued them from the Israelites, and they did not kill them. Mm. And on that day, he made them woodcutters and water carriers, as they are today, for the community, for the Lord's altar. And even just kind of based on the momentum of the book of Joshua, you're like, oh, no, they're going to get it for this. But what Joshua did was what was right, Mm -hmm. Um, and he rescued them. And And they weren't just like bricklayers for people's homes. It's interesting to me that the role he gave them was water carrying and woodcutting for the altar, like to participate in that. Okay, okay. And that now just, Rachel, you just brought it back to me. These guys, these guys, later on, you can look it up, they actually help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem with Nehemiah. Okay. Oh, okay. Because integrity awesome. matters and we keep awesome. our word because it reflects on God yes. and then he redeems and restores and his yeah. purposes continue. All right. All right. That's now, so cool. I did not know that. So no big deal. Then the sun the stands The day still. the sun stood still. Yeah. Talk to us. Feels like it should be a really good novel. Somewhere there's a novel called that, I hope. Probably. But yeah, what in the world? I love this about the God of the Bible. He doesn't want us to be afraid. And then he... Here's Joshua and the people of Israel, sort of because they gave their word, now they're putting their lives on the line to go rescue the people of Gibeon, right? Because all these other people are, uh, these other kings are coming after and wanting to destroy the Gibeonites. So Joshua's got this partnership with him. He feels he needs to live up to it. And so they go, they travel all night long. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it says, after marching all night long, verse 9, the Lord threw them into confusion, meaning the other, the pagan nations. And he defeated them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them through the ascent of Beth Horon, struck them down as far as Azekah. And it goes on to talk about how 
He says in verse 12 there, sun stand still over Gibeon, moon over the valley of Agila, or Agilon rather, and the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on its enemies. And isn't that written in the book of Jashar? And we, nobody has a copy of the book of Jashar, so we don't know what that is. But again, it just reminds us that there was a lot of writing going on back then, more than we would probably think. But the whole sun stood still thing is an interesting thing. I heard Dale Ralph Davis say that the verb there could either be about motion or brilliance. That it's not just about oh. it's not just about freezing in space time history and its motion, but it could be about sun remain dark. We traveled all night. We marched all night. Now we want to go ahead and win the victory, even though we marched all night long. Don't rise, sun. And so there's the dark view, which is that mm. that it was about. I hadn't a, thought of that. A super 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 dark day. And so, I mean, we all know what it's like when there's a storm that is so dark, it blackens the entire sky, you know? Yeah. And, and so, anyway, he talks about that. There could be the, the dark version where it's that, or it could be about motion, too. There's also, you know, I've heard people that are sort of given to all these mathematical equations that they try to figure out. <laughs> and, and they, This they, must explain why this there's a There's one day missing in all of human history, and that's why. You know, I don't yeah. know if that's true or not. I couldn't even begin to tell you that. I think what's interesting here is, again, God's sovereignly watching over his people, mm -hmm. and he accomplishes his purposes one mm -hmm. way or the other. <laughs> That's right. And his eminence, like he's involved. Yeah. He's, yeah. He is an actor in what is happening yeah. here. Yeah. And you get the because, right? At the end of verse 14, it says, because the Lord fought for Israel. Yeah. Like, that's why yeah. he did that's that. Right. There's a very clear, we don't know how, yeah. and we don't exactly know what, but we yeah. know why. And Rachel, that's a great point, too, because with all these battles, Israel is typically outnumbered and outgunned. Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if we learn anything in the book of Joshua, it's that God keeps winning the battles. Yeah. He won I mean, the you, look up, yeah. you look up to verse 11, and it says that, you know, the Lord threw large hailstones on them. More of them died from all the hail than the Israelites killed with the sword. Yeah. The Lord fought for Israel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's amazing. This conquering will continue, and we have in the rest of chapter 10, where God continues to hand over these kings and peoples in this land to Joshua and the Israelites. There's a lot of battle, a lot of bloodshed yeah. in the rest of chapter 10 and going into 11. They're continuing to capture the kings and the land and the peoples. And there's, you know, the phrase, no survivors over and over mm -hmm. and over. And and so all of that that you kind of set us up at the front of the episode, Jim, is so helpful yeah. to remember. And then it's also helpful. I know very little about, you know, the historical context here, but to remember that the wickedness here is one where, you know, there's kind of systems, like evil systems in place that it's like witchcraft and child yeah. sacrifice. And these are not benign cultures that That's they right. are encountering. I mean, these are cultures where idolatry and pagan gods yeah. have taken root. And so there is, I think, and I'd love for you to put it in better words than I'm about to, <laughs> but there is a mercy yeah. in what we see happening. Sure. Here we come to that place where I think we always have to keep reminding ourselves there's an eternal perspective, there's a, a flow of redemption history that's being managed by yeah. God and beautifully managed by God, and it ultimately ends up in this book we call Revelation with people from every tribe, every tongue, every, you know, skin color, every people, every nation. I just get thrills thinking about it. But I mean, his view, <laughs> his view of the culmination of all things and setting all things right in this world looks like, you know, Revelation chapter 4, Revelation, the great throne room in chapter 7. It just, it looks like this amazing, you know, mass number of people from every tribe and tongue. So we need not look back into conquest literature like this, where God is, he's delivered and rescued a people who for 400 years have been enslaved and in bondage, in horrible situation. And yet he had promised them this promised land. And so he does that. He brings them out and he brings them into the promised land. Meanwhile, all of these pagan nations, like you said, are worshiping the gods of Molech and, and Baal, and they're sacrificing their children to these fake gods. And so when we 
try to process, I guess, the conquest material in literature. Yes, God's righteous judgment against wickedness and idolatry. And that's important. Why? For future generations. It's important that those ideas don't continue. And I, I say that to, I think, in some ways, the shame of our own time, because yeah. there's so much going on in our own time that's horrible, too. It makes me weep to think that there are 30-plus million people in human trafficking. Yes. Mm-hmm. What are we doing, you know? Yeah. And, and why hasn't God, you know, struck that out, you know? I, yeah. you know so you, you kind of look and you go, okay, I can kind of get why those nations need to be judged. And God uses various nations as well to judge Israel after this yep. book. You're right. Right, right yeah. guys? So after yeah. this book, we got all these stories where— in the book of Judges, they're going to continue to be run over top of by the other nations. And that's it's right. it's God that's doing that. So he's not showing favoritism merely for the sake of favoritism. He, he's he got a goal for history. and mm-hmm. uh, He's writing a story. He really mm-hmm. is, yeah. and we're a part of it. And he's keeping a covenant. He's keeping yeah. his covenant. And this stuff serves as a warning to sober us up and to sober others up along the way in the course of history and uh, shows us also that repentance and faith is the response he's looking for. And then above it all, the most important part, look how brilliant the gospel of grace looks in the context of Mm -hmm. our own darkness. We don't take our sin and darkness seriously enough. That's part of why this sort of repulses us. We think our yeah. sin is, oh, I, I think Amanda said it when she was talking about Aiken. Oh, I just took a few things. You know, that, yeah, yeah, that's that, fine. That's the way What we, was going to happen to that stuff anyhow? <laughs> right, I mean, right, listen. Right. You know, was Aiken going to just put it on eBay and make a few bucks? I don't know. Yeah. But, but we don't take our sin seriously. And the other thing we don't take very seriously is the white hot holiness of God. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to be brought back to taking both of those things seriously because the gospel of grace, then I can rest in it. Because it isn't about me winning the battle. It's about Jesus who already won the battle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It makes the gospel of grace arresting. Like, it really does. Because that, like, man, that story of Achan gets me today to go, like, that's me. The wages of sin is death. Like, that is just what it is for everybody. And the gift of God is is eternal life through Jesus. And it is, I mean, we read about the gospel today in Joshua. I'm so thankful for it. Amen. We get at the very, very end of our reading this week, and the story continues. We have two more weeks in Joshua, which really, we're just flying through this book. We're blasting through it. We're just blasting through it. But here in Joshua 11, we get kind of this exhale moment is how it feels to me in 1123. Mm. So Joshua took the entire land in keeping with all that the Lord had told Moses Joshua then gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments. After this, the land had rest from war. Mm. Thanks be to God. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's kind of a nice landing place there before we before we keep going. And um, it feels like a foretaste week. of revelation. It does. Yes. And then you were just there, Jim. Does yeah. that feel yeah. like revelation territory? Well, and now we're in Hebrews territory. He is our rest, yes. right? I mean, he That's is right. And that's not just a nap, man. The rest we have in Jesus, is, <laughs> that's like, man, that's the kind of rest where you can really just kick back because you're More in than the, sweet tea in a hammock. I love uh, a good they, nap, Amen, too. amen. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I love a good nap. Jim, thank you. I hey, thank wish you. we could keep going, and I want to hear all of your Joshua thoughts. I knew it was going to be good when I my ask was very, you know, be impressed with my professionalism, but I was like, <laughs> how do you feel about Joshua chapter 7 through 11, yeah. Jim? And he was like, I love it. I was like, well, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. It's just because of where it points us, and I think that's, that's, right. All, that's, that's exactly all good. Right. Great job on this, you guys, really. Good, oh, thank you. Good, so good job with this. And I'll, I didn't even look through the men's version, so I'm on in solidarity with you guys. He's holding up the Shiri's yeah. Truth Study yeah, book right, right. now. Yeah. <laughs> the men's version is also great. It's also that's great. great. Um, well, hey, at the end of an hour of reading Scripture and talking about the beauty, goodness, and truth that we found in Scripture, let's look at each other. Mm-hmm. Jim, our tradition on the Shiri's Truth podcast is now to ask our guest, where in your life are you seeing beauty, goodness, or truth that points you to Jesus? Awesome. That is a great question. In this COVID quarantine kind of time, I have to say I'm an extrovert, so I really do miss being oh, yeah. with people. I really miss it a lot. However, that said, 
I have discovered that in the quietness of the last year, I've had more time in the Word, more time to pray, and to pray in a non-hurried way. A lot of times my hurried prayer life is a one-way conversation between, well, it's just a monologue, actually, and it's just me, and I do all the talking. So what has been so sweet and so good for me in the spiritual sense out of this has been the time to do some listening prayer and to to really marinate. I'm a one-year Bible guy, so I'm always... You know, sort of trying to trying to stay in an Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs kind of a package every single day. And that's been great, again, to just be able to rest in all that. So I think that's it. The times of stillness in the yard have also been great because yeah, we, have yes. a, we have a little patio outside. And I don't know what it's like where you guys are, but at night, and of course, not when it's cold, but at night to be able to go out and look up into the sky and see a star like Arcturus or Andares, or Antares, I think it is, but they're so far away. And you know, the light you're looking at started, you know, it's nearly, so old. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It, yeah. And yet at the same time, there's our big, you know, that moon of ours that's 250,000 miles away. The heavens keep declaring. They declare it every day. <laughs> and yeah, they and, can't help it. Some of us, we're moving so fast, we're so wired, we're so Mm -hmm. noisy. I'm talking about me now, that we miss this. And so I'm glad for the last year to be able to slow it down. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And be able to hear the still small voice a little more and to be able to witness those things that point to His glory. So, yeah. Well, Jim, my goodness, thank you so much for everything you shared with us. I prayed before we hit record that I was just thankful to God that upon meeting a brother in Christ, the first conversation we have is about Scripture. And so this was really special. That's pretty great. great. Thank you for that. And listeners and friends, uh, next week we'll be back for week three of four in our Joshua series. And we'll be on week three of seven of our Lent series. And we'll be joined by Kevin Queen and his wife, Free Queen. And we're so excited to get to chat with them, their locals and soon to be new friends. Um, So we'll be back next week. But until then, Jim, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles.